Number one, I need these announcements. We need some housekeepers for next month. And also there will be a business meeting after church next Wednesday night. All members are urged to be present. All right? Those that are not here, be sure that they understand it and know it, so that, as the Bible says, so that they are without excuse. Right. Amen. I want to cover all bases. Business meeting after church Wednesday night. Church business meeting involves the saints. Uh, all right. Well, there's some things need to be important need to be done around the church too. Yeah. Yes, it is. Spruce enough. We've got a homecoming coming up next month. Need some siding put on the little well house in the back, and some little bit of landscaping around it. Need somebody to mow yard and all that stuff. I noticed Brother Bill, Brother Paul did that last time. I'm going to wash the building down once again. With all right. Every people tell they don't know it yet. But we have. Uh, we have scheduled speakers for yes. our uh, anniversary, and we'll need to think about the cost of putting on an anniversary service. Brother Don Johnston will be here that morning, Amen. and minister to us that morning. And then that evening, Brother Don Smith, who is district chairman of the International Ministerial Association, We'll minister for us that evening, plus singing and so on. And in this service, if everything goes along just fine, Brother Robert's going to be ordained. So we want everybody to be here. We want you to plan for it. We want you, want you to save your dollar, nickel and dimes, $100 bills, whatever you might have, to help us uh, offset the expenses of the sale. All right. I want you to turn tonight to Revelations, the 19th chapter. Revelations 19. It shouldn't be hard to find. That's the last book that you have to wear in the Bible. Revelations 19, chapter, the 11th verse. It's going to be a little spotty. Now, I have a lot of scripture reading tonight to back up what I'm going to say. And so. You mark down those scriptures so you can go check them. If I don't, if I read them too fast, you mark them down so you can go check them and see if I read them right. Again, it's eleventh verse, the second coming of Christ in glory. So that I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes was a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treaded the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, 
He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together into a supper of the great God. Now you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sat on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both great and small and great. I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped him in his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. All the fowls were filled with their flesh. This is the consummation of the wrath of God upon the ungodly. It is not the wrath of the beast upon God's people. Now if you read Revelations, you'll notice after I had read this, the seven, seven seals of the book had been opened, seven trumpets had sounded, seven vows of the bones of the wrath of God, destruction of political and ecclesiastical Babylon, and the battle of our beginning is over. Now we had just ministered to you three or four nights concerning the finality of a Christian life, what it was when we die, what we will be when we resurrect, and all the glorious things that's ahead for us in the glorious kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. I want to deal briefly, this is no way an in-depth study, it's just an introduction, we'll get to more of that perhaps later, but I want to deal briefly with what is going to happen after Christians have been raised, after we have been judged at the judgment seat of Christ for rewards and the beautiful things that God has got in store for us. The battle of Armageddon is over. We're taking it like that. The beast dictator and the false prophets have been cast into the lake of fire and Satan has been bound. And so the next thing on the agenda is something wonderful and something beautiful. It's what the Bible describes as the millennium. Actually, millennium means a thousand, so that's one thousand years which Jesus Christ, as he appears before he went away, same way he went away, when the cloud received him out of their sight, then he's coming back and the heavens opened up and he's coming back. And he's coming back to reign on this earth. Amen. Amen. And he's bringing his rulership with him, which is the righteous which is the church of God. Uh, very little is said about the millennium uh, or a thousand year period in the New Testament. Now anything that important, I suppose you would wonder why it wasn't, but I think possibly it's because God assumed that his hungry people would be acquainted with the Old Testament. You see, some of the greatest things that God has got in store for us and some of the greatest promises has been promised in the Old Testament has never been fulfilled. Yes. And so God did not write two books. Amen? Right. He didn't do that. Now some people think he did, that there's nothing about the Old Testament that we have any business interfering with, but God wrote one continuous book, one little thread interweaving with the other one, and coming right on from the Old into the New and consummating the whole thing that God began 
in the Old Testament. So we have to look, I suppose, in the Old Testament to find most of the things, I suppose, that God tells us is going to happen at the millennium. But briefly, Revelations talks about that, and it takes up where I just ended off in Revelations 20 and 1-4. And it simply says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loose for a little season. That's a good course for study right there, but we'll not get into that. But I want you to notice at the beginning of the thousand-year reign of peace, an angel comes down. Now, we're not right real sure which angel that is. Most probably it's Gabriel, which is a warrior. But whatever it is, he comes down and lays hold on that dragon that's been loose, set loose upon mankind for eons of time. And uh, he binds him, I don't know with what or how, but he casts him into the bottomless pit. He's bound him, casts him in the bottomless pit. He shuts him up and puts a seal on him. In other words, the seal of the divinity of God, and there's no way at all that he can break that until God says to. And that's at the end of the thousand-year reign of peace. And it said, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. Uh And I saw the souls of them that was beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Isn't that strange that we have people beheaded for the witness of Jesus when we're supposed to be raptured out without any problems at all? Uh Come on, saints, let's get with it. Let's get real. There's some things ahead of us. There's some serious things ahead of us. And we're not going to go through them with our babyish attitudes. It takes a growth in God, a stability in God, and a divinity of God in our lives in order to be able to go through what is ahead of us. We can do that without dread as long as we have learned how to walk in the pathway of Jesus Christ. We're not going to learn it right then. It has to start now, and we have to know where it's all about, and we'll have to have underwent temptations and trials, which builds our character and enables us to go through anything that the enemy puts upon us. God is there for us. And they was beheaded for the word of God. Yes. Yes. Which, uh, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now we have to ask ourselves the question whether freedom for a moment, whether we're escaping some of the wrath of the beast upon the Christians, we have to ask ourselves the questions: is it worth it just for a few moments to escape some of these horrid events and remember what God says, I'll not put any more on you than that which you are able to bear. Some of our worst fears sometimes, we think, if this happens to me, I can't handle it. And if God don't think you can handle it, it won't happen to you. All right? But if God knows you can handle it, then He will allow you to go through it. So you see, we're living in those days and hours. And we need to understand that these are good times that's coming upon us, but... 
There's some bad times also. But even in the midst of that, I have some promises of God, and you do too, that's in the Word of God, that lets us know that it is something inside that makes us rich to know that we have been victorious over the enemy. I mean, even in the midst of trials, there's something inside that grabs us and makes us feel rich in Christ because we have won the battle. We have went through it. We understand what it's about. We come out on the other side and we're stronger than we ever was because Jesus walked through there with us. And so God sometimes is getting us ready for big things. Wonderful things. Thank God that and, and we're, we're going to be times when we're not going to be able to shout. You just well understand that. Okay? There's going to be times when tears enter into your eyes. And there's going to be times when you wonder where God is. But it doesn't make any difference. God is always there with us. So you can see from these verses that Satan will not be on the earth during this 1,000 year reign. And you can see that Christians whom God resurrects is going to reign with him. And we also see from there that, that there is a special group of people that is going to sit on thrones and judge for Christ. Right. Now there is going to be a hierarchy, whether we re realize it or not. I've said it almost four weeks straight that everybody is not going to see, receive the same reward. Right. It depended on our growth. It's dependent on our ability to use what God has got for us as to what we will be in the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, a lot of us don't like to take orders here. Come on. Amen. So if that's the case, you better get in a place where you can give orders and you won't have to worry about it. Right. All right? That's right? And we can do that. Amen. We can do that by living a good, holy, solid life for the Lord and grow in grace and knowledge and the Amen. truth of God. And when we lay down to die, we will be able to say like the Apostle Paul, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Hallelujah. And now then, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. In other words, Paul was saying, I have fulfilled myself. I have matured in God. I have utilized everything God has given me. And now then, I'm ready to lay down and die. Because when he comes out, out of the grave, he'll be one of the greatest rulers that you ever saw, along with others. But we have the same position. We have the same advantage if we will do it. So, you see, a lot of Bible scholars feel like that the Old Testament refers referring to the day of the Lord refers to the millennium, and I, I believe they're right. Because when we realize that a thousand years in the eyes of the Lord is like a day, you'll find that in Psalms 90 and 4, for a thousand years in thy sight are about as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. You'll also find that in 2 Peter 3, 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years of one day. So when it's prophesied the day of the Lord is yet to come, then you can understand when you read the Old Testament that we're talking about that, they're talking about the millennium. Now then, what's going to happen during the millennial reign of peace? I mean, we have got such a mindset, and I, I, I get so embarrassed at the infancy of Christians that have been in the house of God for years, and I'm around them a lot, and I get so... Uh, frustrated with ministry that allows individuals to think that they can just live any old way they want to 
that they can just be as unfaithful as they want to be and do all of these things and yet they're going to go to heaven. And that's all you hear, going to go to heaven. And never, never cause them to understand what is heaven and where is heaven and what's going to happen in heaven. Right. You see, it's, it's not a many uh, room mansion that you spend eons of time walking through. Uh, streets of gold. I don't know whether they're going to be there or not. It really doesn't make any difference to me whether they're there or not. My primary purpose is to find out what God wants to do during this golden age and enjoy something where the devil is not there to take the pleasure away from me. Hallelujah. And that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Now, first off, nature is going to be restored. I like that. A lot of things about nature we don't understand. Right. A lot of things that's going on because of the fall. And it's been under a curse ever since Adam's fall. And it's restored to its initial freedom and glory at the time Jesus comes and begins to set it up. Now, uh, let's substantiate that by reading Romans 8, 19, 23. And like I said, in order to get through this, you mark it down and then go read it. For I have it right here in front of me. For the earnest expectation of the creature, and that is translated almost always creation, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other, in other words, waiting until the sons of God have redeemed not only soul and mind, but body. Until the sons of God are completely sons of God. Yes. For the creature, the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, because of Adam's fall, and not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Verse 21, because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Right now, it still is. You'll notice nothing in our nature is right. Nothing with our creation is right. You'll notice some of the things of, of animals and other things that's not what they were created to be. And yet that's what they have, have uh, turned out to be. And then the 23rd verse says, But not only they, but we ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our bodies. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm waiting Amen. where the spiritual man inside Amen. of me will put on a spiritual body Amen. that's not subject to any sickness and any disease or any such thing as that. For I have been redeemed wholly by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That still waits. We're still in this spot. We still suffer sickness. I don't care how much we proclaim that sickness, just confess, make a positive confession, it won't happen. I don't care how much we say, people say that something's wrong with you if something happens to you. I don't care what they say about that. I know this body is programmed to die. It's going to die unless Jesus comes. And I know it's going to suffer some ailments and some sicknesses because of the sicknesses that's in this world that comes upon us. Regardless of how healthy we might be someplace, sometime, our body is suffering something that we can't control. Because creation is groaning. Creation is hurting. 
Creation is suffering the sicknesses and diseases all caused by the fall of Adam. Old Adam nature that we have now. Old Adamic nature, this body, it's going to grow to the dust of the earth. And friend, uh, somebody says, well, I want to be raised in this body. I don't. I want a new body, thank God. I want something that is incorruptible. Amen. I will tell us we'll be able to know as we know it. Now, I place the restoration of nature at the beginning of the millennium. I do this for a lot of reasons, but I'm going to name two. It's obvious that neither now nor during the tribulation that nature is free. Rather, it seems to be in tremendous agony during these times. In verse 23, seems to be saying that the body of the sons of God will be redeemed. This redemption of our bodies occurred, the rapture, or at the climax of the tribulation, not at the beginning of it, when in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed as we meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah, we're meeting Him. And when anybody goes to meet somebody, they turn around and come back where that individual had come from. So we go to meet Him, return with Him as His army. He sets up His throne in the outskirts of Jerusalem in Zion. And somebody somewhere sits on the throne as rulers and judges and lieutenants and no telling what else because God's going to have a government that is pure and holy and is going to get it from his saints. Those that will learn how the purity of God works in our lives. He will not get it from rebellious attitudes. He will not get it from unfaithful individuals. He'll get his rulership by those who have walked his walk and lived his life. And that's why it is so important for us to move ourselves out of the mully grubs, realize that God is depending on us, understand that God is putting His confidence in us, and understanding not only that, but friend, we are not selfish when we desire a close place in the kingdom of God to do some good for Jesus. It's not all over when we uh, leave this life. We still have work to do in the kingdom of God and souls to reach. And a world to purify as God moves upon it. Hallelujah. I get excited about this. Praise the Lord. And some of the, one of the greatest things in this world, sometimes when you're really down, is just look in and see what you can be. And it don't take you very long to get out of the mully group and start saying, God, I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what they do. I know my calling. I know what I've got to do. And God, with a pure-hearted mind, I'm going to do it with the best of my ability. I'm going to give it everything I have. Everybody don't have the same advantages. But we've got to use what we've got. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't see how according to Scripture that natures can be free and our bodies redeemed until after the tribulation. Once nature has been set free, some of the things we read in the Old Testament can occur. And man, I tell you, when you sit down and you begin to listen to Isaiah and some of those old prophets that were prophesying and I don't even know if they knew exactly what they were saying, and what was going on in their life. But God was using them. And it was being pinned down. And it's been preserved for, for eons of time. And handed down to us. Who possibly many of us. Is going to bring the climax to this. Yeah. Right. 
God is beginning to see that time is very short. Yes. Yes. Isaiah 11, 6 through 10. Now this is what's going to happen to some of God's creatures. Amen? Yes. That the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Now you know that can't happen now, don't you? And a leopard shall lay down with the kids, sheep or goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. These are ferocious animals right now. Amen. These are animals that sometimes uh, have to be killed or kill also. And then it says the cow and the bear shall feed. <laughs> and the young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. Praise God. And the suckling kids shall play on the, in, on the hole of an ass, considered a dangerous snake today. And the winged child shall put his hand in the cockatrice, at her snake den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters curve in the sea. Yes. 
Amen. Now the lion's not going to be any meat eater any longer. They're going to eat grass like an oxen, and that means they're not killers any longer. Hallelujah. Amen. You see what the curse did? Made killers out of people. Right. Made killers right. out of Cain. All right. right. Made killers out of humanity. Yes. Made killers out of animals. Yes. That closeness that was there all of that time was gone. And creation has been groaning under that effect ever since. Now we don't experience it that much, but you go to these, some of these countries where there's wild animals, and it's either kill or be killed in those areas. But thank God there will come a time, hallelujah, when the redemptive process of God not only enters into mankind, and he no longer inside of him has a heart to kill, but all the animal world yeah. is going to experience yeah. the beauty of God's green yeah. earth that he has recreated for them. Oh, glory to God. Glory a little baby that still nurses milk, able to play with a small cobra without any harm. Now, we don't have to worry about that cobra so much, but in India, a lot of little babies have died, and a lot of grown-ups have died. All right, because of that. That when child is able to play with minimum snakes of Europe and not be hurt or killed. What a wonderful time that it'll be when all nature is in harmony and peaceful coexistence. When there is no killing whatsoever, praise the Lord, and the land is renewal. That's after the purging and purification that's going to be accomplished during the tribulation and the wrath of God. This world is going to be turned upside down topsy-turvy by Almighty God and you're going to see a change in this universe. We're going to read in Ezekiel 36, 33, and 36. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and the waste shall be built. So you know there's going to be waste. And the desolate land shall be tilled Whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by, and they say, shall say, this land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you imagine all the desolate areas that we have, untillable, and all can't do anything with it, and when God gets through with it, His mighty power in His hand is going to look like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate, uh, waste and desolate, let me get here in a minute, uh, cities are becoming fenced and inhabited. 36, and then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. I like that declaration. I said it, and I'll do it. Amen. Now, that doesn't Hallelujah. just happen in them. God says, if I say something to you, I'll do it. Amen. Come on. Amen. Uh, let's notice the desolate lands, deserts, rocky places, polluted grounds, land that man has killed, the growing soil, and man is doing it. Right. I mean, if there ever come a time when he couldn't get fertilized, he couldn't grow nothing. Right. Amen. He's taken everything uh, naturally out of his soil <coughs> and uh, just keeps doing it instead of doing it God's way. Uh, letting it lay out for seven years and then going with it again to uh, recreate the value inside. He keeps planting, sometimes double crops. And like I said, if it ever gets to the time where we can't make fertilizer or get it, we're not going to be able to grow anything. Right. Right. All right. But that's going to become like the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah. Now, I like to read after some of these men 
So George, George Otis, you mark this down, maybe you can get his book. He writes in his book, The Millennium Man. And he talks about the uh, physical changing of the earth during the tribulation as he's preparing for its rebirth and the renewed planet of earth in the millennium. I'm going to do some reading after him and quote it. For all of these bursts of earthquake energy, not only will the earth receive a facelift, but also a new increased land service to provide more living area. Isaiah 40 and 4, every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. See, today it's fashionable, and we see it every day, to undertake urban renewal projects. Have you ever watched this? First there's a wrecking crew, then there's swarms of bulldozers and wrecking balls and dynamite that reduces old decaying structures to rubble, and then along comes the builders, and magically they erect some handsome new facilities, and presto, this area is born again. Yeah. Hallelujah. Not only is the children of God going to be born again, but this earth is yeah. going to be born again. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, it didn't it. Yes. Yeah. Amen. So it's going to be with this tired and abused plant. Can you imagine how man has abused this earth? Yes. I mean, look around. It's being done all the time. Yes. And it needs a new birth. But before it can be, God is going to have to, and He will, during the tribulation period of the wrath of God, He's going to clear away all that is decadent. Everything that's decaying. You see, He knows that He has to plow up the earth to root out eliminate everything that won't harmonize with his millennial life blueprint. Right. In other words, he's got a blueprint. He knows what he wants and he's going to get what he wants. Amen? Yes. If he don't get it from me, he's going to get it from somebody else. He goes on to say, through these earthquakes, he will distribute the waters and the land all within days. The Bible says, and there were voices and thunders and lightnings there was a great earthquake and every island fled away and the mountains were not found. I'm going to read from Revelation 16, 17, 18 to 20. And there was a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there was voices and thunders and lightning. And there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And every island fled away. And the mountains were not found. Right. Permanent rearrangements that will enhance the cosmetics of this planet provide new uh, areas of land that is habitable. You see, there is presently an enormous 140 million <coughs> square miles of area under our oceans. And the Bible tells us there's not going to be any more sea. Something's going to have to rearrange what has happened. Now these land masses includes mountains higher than Mount Everest under our oceans and under our sea. And chasms deeper than the Grand Canyon. And once all of this is done, you talk about some pleasant scenery and some beauty. When God gets through with it, we ain't seen nothing yet. All the present faults and strange strains will be relieved during that series of exploding quakes. When the dust settles, our planet will be entirely earthquake-free. Isaiah 24, 1, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, maketh it waste, turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. 
Now it could be, this man says, that the 22 degrees tilt and the earth's wobble, and we do have that, will be corrected by the finger of God at the same time. Amen. You realize how man has sought to correct this? All the scientific uh, exploration that he does and all he's trying to do uh, to keep this earth that is tilted 22 degrees more than it ought to be and it has a wobble in it and they're trying to figure out how to stop that. Can you imagine just by the finger of God one moment and it's all taken care of? Amen. Most likely this was caused by Lucifer's rebellion. See, our earth suffered then too. Meteorologists say that irregularities in our earth contribute to our climate extremes. Hurricanes, floods, blizzards, droughts. But when the earth's tilt and wobble are corrected, we're going to see an ideal earth climate. Amen. Hallelujah. We won't have to worry about Amen. any of that. I'm going to read again. I will make them and the places round about my hill of blessing. I will cause the shower to come down any season. There shall be showers of blessings. You yes. see, everything, every time we talk about showers of blessing, we think it has to be spiritual, but it's not. Come on. It can be, and that'll be fine. And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. And they shall be safe in their land, and know that I am the Lord. They shall be safe in their land. Lord. Think about the murders and the rapes, and everything that's going on, and you're not safe in your own house. Right. Not safe in your own town. But when God gets through, He says you're going to be safe in your own land. And shall know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the band of their yoke and delivered them out of the hands of them that served themselves of them. And right on through Isaiah, the parched ground shall become a pool, thirsty land, springs of water, inhabitation of dragons where they lay shall be grassed with weeds and rushes. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise, Praise the Lord. I, I'm going to quit there. I've got some more, but I don't want to get really involved in that. That's the government mm. during the millennium. And I want us to be fresh when we go into that. Stand with me, saints. Amen. Stand with me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's think about God. Just for Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Our God, keep your mind on the Lord. Keep your mind on the Lord. Hallelujah. I felt, I felt, I felt, I still feel, I feel a presence. It's just, it's just not like, it's just not like any presence. I want you to close your eyes just for one Jesus. I want you to start thinking the presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I feel a presence. Mm, Amen. I, I feel the presence. I feel it great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know. Hallelujah, but I feel it. Hallelujah. Let's find out what it means. Find out what God wants. What's He trying to say? God, what do you want? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just stand in your presence. Hallelujah. I, I feel it. I mean, it's just almost overwhelming. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.